the WTF1 post-race podcast. Hello, welcome back to the WTF1 post-race podcast, post-Sao Paulo. The last of the sprints is done and another race at the awesome Interlagos circuit is now done and dusted. That leaves us just two remaining. But before we even get to Las Vegas or Abu Dhabi, we've got to look back at all the action from Sao Paulo, or at least some of the action we were able to scrape out of that Grand Prix. Uh, my name is Harry Benjamin. Uh, alongside me, no Callan O'Keefe uh, this week. He's bailed uh, because he's got some racing driver commitments which he will uh, reveal all about next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but joining me instead, I'm very pleased to say, Steph Wentworth is alongside me and Adam Sanderson. Thank you very much for joining us both. Steph, how are you? This, I mean, I know you've done WTF1 before. We'll whisper, you know, before, before. Uh, but this is the first time this year. How you been? Have you enjoyed the season so far? Oh, I think it's been a bit of a weird season, actually. It's just been Max at the front and then kind of just chaos behind because what on earth has been going on but i think it's been quite an interesting season if you take max and all of his dominance out of the equation but yeah i've had a good time i'm doing well how are you yeah no fine we know we, we've got to we've got to talk about something from this season um and you're right if you take max out it's actually been pretty pretty good but uh adam i keep wanting to call you devon i'm sorry um <laughs> it's okay yeah. I, should, I should probably get rid of that cap behind yeah. there kind of just push you off yeah <laughs> um you uh let, well let's dive into it and and also I'm, I'm wary that your fantasy formula one league has taken <laughs> oh. a, bit, a bit of a kicking post oh. tell us why well, okay, so basically, first half of the season, I was miles and miles above everyone else. I just called it right week after week after week. And then as soon as McLaren started to get some good pace, I, I was just a little bit late to the party. By one week, I still had Aston Martin, Constructor, and both drivers. And my uh, my rivals brought in McLaren Duo and the McLaren manufacturer. So they overtook me, and then that was it. We just stayed at level pegging, and it's closing the season is coming to an end and I needed to do something, right? I had one power-up remaining and it's the limitless power-up. I think that's what it's called, which means you can choose any driver, any manufacturer, no cost cat limit. You've got as many transfers as you want. So I was like, you know what? Let's base it off of the uh, the FP1 because that's normally a good indication for a sprint weekend as to how the, uh, the qualifying sessions are going to go because everyone just has to give it and give it and see what happens to see what works and what doesn't for the tracks because I haven't got long to learn from them. Um, and then I based it off of as well last week's race. So I was like, you know what? Ferrari, Mercedes, they do pretty well. They're normally quite costly. I always had Max Verstappen as my double, you know, always stick him there. But yeah, I had the Ferrari duo and the Mercedes duo with both their constructors. <sighs> it didn't work out. Normally I have Perez as well, but he has been like bleeding me dry the last three or four races. Again, my rivals don't have him because they know how temperamental he can be, unfortunately, even though I love him as a person. But um, yeah, he decided to show up and the other two didn't. So that was me in the mud. Doesn't that just sum up the weekend quite nicely? And actually... It was it was a weird weekend, wasn't it, Steph? Because you know it was a sprint weekend. We get that only we get the one practice session, and that's the one thing I like about sprint weekend is there's only one practice, and you're straight into it. So there's already going to be a lot of unknowns. And I I think Martin Brundle was another man who said this. You know, I'd always rather another race over another practice session, personally. Um, but tires were a massive talking point this weekend uh, because of how struggle how all the drivers and all the teams struggled with them but one man who didn't even get the chance to start 
at the Grand Prix was Charles Leclerc. Oh. We mentioned misery for Ferrari. It, it, it is it's the reliability. Even Sainz was having issues during the race, but Leclerc and the wall on the formation lap is shocking, isn't it? It was honestly, he's been so unlucky. And I really do feel for him because he obviously wants to make this work so badly at Ferrari. And it's just not happening for him. And a lot of the time, you know, we do say, oh, Ferrari's strategy in the mode of what are the Ferrari mechanics doing and blah, blah, blah. But like, honestly, this was out of everybody's control. It just, oh, it was absolutely heartbreaking for him. But I genuinely, all I want to do is see him succeed. I feel like he's just been dealt blow after blow after blow this year. That's just really unfortunate for him. I feel like a lot of it is just leftover remnants from the Bonotto era, though. Like, a lot of it has gotten a lot more reliable and the strategy calls have been more consistent. Like, say, for example, the last couple of races, the coverage on the uh, on the actual, like, F1 channel barely touched on them because they just stayed in their positions, did mm-hmm. a solid race and, and brought the points in, you know? Um, so it, it's definitely gotten a lot better. Next year, I reckon, I'm probably going to say, look, let's reset, give it another go. Now that... <sighs> Vassar has just had his chance to properly put his input into the team. I reckon there's brighter future ahead. Well, at least I, I hope there is. Do, do you think it is next year then where we can start to judge Fred Vassar, the new team principal who came in this year? If you don't judge him next year, how long are you actually going to give him? You know, it, it, you've got to start judging him at some point. And yes, this year has been a bit of a find your feet kind of year for him. Next year is when you're probably going to see what he does, what he has done. But this is one thing I hate about Formula One. It's because if you don't see someone performing immediately, it's like, bye. And it's like, yeah. give give people a little bit of time. Like, I know, yeah. I think we should use Logan Sargent as a bit of a... <laughs> Sorry, Nick. I do love shocking. Nick as well. I was so upset. Um, but like Logan Sargent, as an example, he obviously he struggled in the first half of the year, rookie season. But he's kind of come into his own a little bit. You know, he's doing a lot better towards the second half of the season, scored his first points back in Kota. I feel like he's showing us a bit what he's made of. And now we can start, you know, judging him now that he's clearly a little bit more comfortable. I feel like it's genuinely the same with team principals. Like, we always expect them to come in and, you know, do this miraculous stuff with the team. But Formula One isn't like that. You can't come in and, you know, work your magic instantly. I don't also, I love just... Fred. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's a really, really nice guy. But I don't even think it's just like Formula One. Take, for example, football. football. Chelsea with their man managers, for God's sake. I mean, I'm a Chelsea fan myself. I would have liked to have seen them keep too cool. But how many managers they've gone through in the past? I don't know how long. It's just sport is a fast-paced, results-driven thing. And if you aren't getting the results, the owners are going to say, well, let's make a change. So is the Manchester United boss, when's he, when's he no, going? No, no, let's not talk about Manchester United. No, no, no. Maybe says, says Manchester <laughs> resident, Steph Wentworth. Uh, <laughs> we divert, we divert. But, um, Thank you. It, it, it wasn't brilliant, obviously, for Leclerc and, and just typical luck for him as well uh, to have that. Signs, on the other hand, steady race you know, to sixth place managed to outrace both the mercedes who had awful runs um but before we get stuck into them let's just go back to lap one turn one of, of the grand prix and carnage ensuing in the midfield the two hasses and uh the uh williams both involved in that yeah so it was actually a shame you bring up Logan Sargent, Steph. You know, he had a, a run to 11th, but it was a shame he, we couldn't get quite a back-to-back comparison. Could Albon have been in the points? We don't know, and we will never know. Uh, and that's a really nice battle now for 7th in the Constructors' Championship, so we can get proper excited about that. But the one thing that really caught my eye 
looking back on that crash is the 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 wheel tire carcass hitting the back of uh well it was sort of it was deflected off Hulkenberg's hass and then it went on to the rear wing of um Daniel Ricardo's AlphaTauri giving him damage and it's not the first time we've seen kind of runaway tire debris and that's slightly worrying I think because we've seen that quite a few times in recent years and you know I think I can't remember exactly. Forgive me, but there was a one point where you know the tethers on that that keep the wheel tied to the car in the event of a crash, they don't spiral out into the grandstands or wherever it may be. Have done exactly that. They haven't worked, and I, I'm there hasn't been as much talk about that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day. There are many, many advancements in the health and safety to do with Formula One. And there are many instances where they have worked. But obviously, it's so hard to stamp out every single eventuality, every single tap, every single knock on the wheels, the the rims or whatever. Um, They're making strides in the right direction. But I mean, I don't know too much about the tethers, what they're made out of, how they're tethered together. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I'm, well qualified enough to give a proper opinion on it but making all the advancements they have made is is only a good thing and the fact that we're talking about a little bit of uh, well one freak accident where uh, one one tire carcass makes a bit of a runaway and hits the rear wing is probably a, a good thing because in times gone by we've talked about much more disastrous accidents yeah i don't know if it's necessarily i don't know is it a failure by the way that it kind of the way that it all transpired. I'm sure when Lance Stroll had his big accident after qualifying in Singapore, I'm sure his wheel tether, tether failed as well. Mm. I'm sure his wheel went yeah. AWOL. Mm. Yeah, it said, it said bye-bye to the car. It went off. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting one that you bring up that it's something that's quite, kind of been happening a lot in recent years and that there isn't that much talk about it. But to be honest, the FIA have a lot on their hands. I, uh, can't, you can't expect them to be everywhere at once at the minute. Yeah, they got a big team. <laughs> big enough a team. going on. <laughs> I loved. Um, I know he's not. F- I know he's not FIA, but or, or F1 anymore. I love Martin Brundle on the grid. Uh, yeah. Literally saying to Bernie Eccleston, um, <laughs> yeah. "You owe you owe HMRC a lot of money, don't you?" Big tax bill. <laughs> there's, uh, there's. I panic oh. every year that I might have to pay them a bit more, but it's definitely not in the whatever four hundred million or whatever it is. Um, that one turn one again. Obviously, the big crash, which kind of distracted us from the poor starts of the Aston Martin, the rocket yeah. start from Hamilton, and Lando Norris. I mean, Steph, Norris in the McLaren has been on it all week. He could have got pole for the Grand Prix had the qualifying not been so bizarre with that storm happening mm. within about seven seconds. Crazy. And then it not really raining, but then it looking like it was raining, and then it, then it rained. But is the win going to come before the end of the season, next year, it's surely on the cards. Do you know what? Controversial opinion. <laughs> I reckon Oscar Piastri is going to get a win before Lando Norris. Oh, no. <laughs> well, he has already. Well, well yeah, no, he hasn't. Win. The sprint yeah. hasn't. Yeah. Um, I'm not, yeah. ha- no, not having I that. I feel like Lando is another one of those unlucky drivers where he like is very consistent and he performs very well. But on those odd occasions where there is a chance for somebody other than Max to be at the front, I feel like he's not going to be there to to capitalise when he needs to. When all of the other times on the grid, he's always up there because he's been a consistent podium sitter all year. He's genuinely had such a fantastic consistency level and ability this year. He's just he's done a great job. Um, I don't know. It's 
It's an interesting one. I don't know. Is that controversial to say that Oscar will do it? I just feel like he's just going to be there when when the time comes. I don't think either McLaren are going to win the, by the end of this this year. At no, all. neither. No, Next I mean, year. look at the look at the race. Look at the races we've got to come, like uh, Abu Dhabi uh, and Las Vegas. I got two amazing, amazingly long straights, which are just built for the Red Bull. Um, so I don't, I don't think they're going to win. They're going to get very close. They're going to be potentially a P two, P three, but they're not going to win. I, I did pose a question uh, over the weekend: Is Lando Norris going to be our generation's Nick Heidfeld, who was the man who did oh, have yeah. the record for the most amount of podiums in a Formula One career, <laughs> never winning? And I only mentioned it because I think Lando Norris, I think he either equaled or surpassed that record at the weekend, um, one or the other. But that that was the only reason I said it. I, the win will come, and let's let's please hope for next year that is somebody yeah. as close as a Red Bull. Uh, could it be Mercedes? But based on this weekend, it's worrying, I think, for Mercedes. Because look at how quickly, within the state, space of a week, that car can change. I, I thought the general atmosphere for Mercedes had started to improve. Lewis Hamilton seemed yeah. fairly chirpy. They still weren't happy with the W14, but they, it was faster. And they could drive it and get onto the podium. And then this is surely, Adam, one of the worst races for Mercedes ever in, yeah. in, in, since the hybrid era began no 100 percent. and like i said my fantasy team can attest to that it all of a sudden in a space of a week they've just dropped off a cliff the unpredictability they always had the issues with overheating as you see both cars more than any car on the grid maybe the ferraris always trying to find that little bit of clear air to, to cool everything down but oh yeah it's, it's such a shame to see them where they are because we know what they're capable of and I do feel like they've got an ace up their sleeve for next year. Maybe they've gone on a completely different redesign, but we know how those redesigns with Mercedes have worked before with the no pod and all that stuff. They're going to have three side pods attached yeah. to each side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a beluga whale. We'll put one on top. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> we can only hope that next year they provide Hamilton and Russell with a car that's not only fast, but predictable. And that's what they always talk about, a predictable car that acts in a predictable way that they can push to the limit and know it's not going to spin off. We'll see. Um, Steph, did, did you think there was tension or yes. there will be tension? Yes. Between George Russell, yes. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton and the rest of the team. I, for the life of me, couldn't understand why they weren't letting Russell through. Could not understand. I think both of the drivers were tyre managing or they were supposed to be tyre managing. And I think Lewis is an excellent tyre manager. We know this. Like he's got years of experience. He knows exactly what to do and he will leave the tyre for the end of the race. We've seen George Russell in the last few races or the last year, he isn't able to do that to the extent that Lewis is. And so I think what was happening is that he was using too much tyre. He was too close to Lewis. He was following really closely behind. He didn't have any of that clear air that, you know, I think Lewis had dropped back, you know, maybe three seconds um, behind the car in front. That gives you a little bit of breathing room. And George was like right on Lewis's tail. So I think the team had a plan in place and the plan was being followed. I think George felt like he had more pace because he was using the tyres far too much, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like he had so much more pace. So it was confusing, like, why the Mercedes were not letting him through. But I do think they were trying to stick to their plan for point maximisation. And I think George was very much seeing 
it from his perspective he's I'm faster I can get higher up I can you know score this for the team I can have a great race whereas Lewis could see more hmm this race is you know 71 laps is it Hmm. it's a long race like we've got time um and I do think that that is one of George's biggest problems I do think he's very short-sighted sometimes he can think oh I want I want this, I want this podium, or I want this. And that's exactly what happened at the end of Singapore. I'm going to bring up Singapore loads. But it was exactly what was happening. He was trying to fend off Lewis Hamilton. And look, you crashed into the wall. Now you didn't bring any points home for the team. Like, that was very short-sighted. It, Lewis did have the pace. I know you were trying to fight him off, but... I don't know. Does that make sense? I feel like that's a, I feel like that's kind of, kind of a running thing with George, is that he's, um, he, he's very selfish. And that's a Formula One thing in general. Like, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. You've got to be selfish in this sport to a certain extent. Um, but I think Mercedes were almost trying to, to get a team result and have that team morale be the driving factor. And he might have been just running his own race or trying to. Except, though, they were Russell was showcasing that he was faster than, than Hamilton at one stage whilst they were both being caught by the Ferrari of Carlos Sainz. And, and that was where my confusion came from because that is their battle. Second in the constructors is Mercedes and Ferrari. And, and Mercedes had two cars in the game at that point and obviously Ferrari only won. But the way Hamilton and Russell were were basically not they were only fighting, just Russell wasn't, you know, couldn't get really try properly to get past. But while they were doing that, Signs cruised up to the back of them, got one, then got the other. And you just think, surely, even though, yeah, you've still got two cars in the game, Adam, you don't do that. You you go, okay, Russell, he go through. You know, if you think you've got the pace, you go and you you catch Stroll, get in front of him and give you some buffer. I know ultimately it all came to nothing because he retired anyway. But yeah. still, at the end of the day, Signs and Ferrari outscored the Mercedes in Sao Paulo. Well, that's the thing. You don't all you don't know the whole story, do you? Because when obviously that isn't that Formula One in a nutshell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you don't know if they already knew about uh, Russell's potential DNF because of I don't know. There might be overheating issues that they weren't relayed to the broadcast or relayed to anyone else on the team radio. Again, all this code that the drivers use with their teams, you never know what that actually means. Um, I mean, the strategists must have thought at one point, let's see if we can potentially do what science did to everyone else in his defensive masterclass. Um, But we don't know if the PU was already overheating. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, There must have been a good reason why they didn't swap it because like, as you rightfully said, there's no conceivable reason to us why they didn't let him lead and drag Hamilton along. Must have been a a reason. Must have been. There must have been. Must have been. Um, well, the majority of that race, let's be honest, was boring, uh, which was a shame. But Sergio <laughs> okay. Perez, I mean, come on. Um, let's be honest here. Formula One is a tough sell this year and especially towards the end of the year. It is. But Sergio Perez came alive this weekend, I thought, or at least certainly yeah, proved that timing. he was... Yeah, good timing to take him out of your fantasy team. Yeah. Um, great timing if you stayed stayed loyal to Checo. Yeah. Knew he'd get there in the end. It wasn't a podium, Steph, though, but that fight with Fernando Alonso, I mean, that made the race. They saved it. (laughs) On the last lap. (laughs) Yeah, in my opinion. Um, No, it was a great battle between the two of them. And honestly, I just love seeing Fernando Alonso in a fight. 42 years old. Still got it. 42? Yeah, Yeah. that's 
honestly, he, it's so good seeing him at the front of the grid. And do you know how yeah. happy he was on that podium? He was genuinely buzzing. And I love seeing that because you know what I feel with some of the younger younger guys in Formula One is they don't always like celebrate. Like whenever I see Lewis yeah. on the podium, whenever I see Alonso on the podium, they are going absolutely mad. It's like their first podium ever. And I love seeing that kind of energy and that kind of passion. And I do think Alonso really had to work for it. He pulled the little switcheroo on Checo on that last lap. And that, Oh my god! Photo finish, so close to each other. I've literally seen there's a there's an angle going around Twitter of somebody in the grandstands, and it looks like Checo's ahead, but it's kind of like to the right hand side, to the left hand side. So you can I don't know. It just looks it looks like Checo should have taken it, but there was nothing in it between the both of them. I thought it was fantastic. I'd love more <laughs> last lap, last lap battles if we no, could have that. A hundred percent. And even afterwards, you saw Alonso and Perez go up to each other, just like laughing and hugging. Yeah. And saying, oh, that was amazing. Very well done sort of thing. Time. They're just here for the fun. No, exactly. And one thing I did want to say about that photo is where, where the constructors put the transponder, they have a select number of places along the car where they could do it. They all seem to do it in the nose or towards the front of the car. It makes the most sense, doesn't it? But, has anyone talked about whether or not the transponder was a little bit like, I don't know, you're talking about half a centimetre or a centimetre forward for each car? Because if you've got these pictures coming out, be like, did he win? And the trans- transponder saying another thing. Has anyone looked to see how far forward the transponders are? No, I do not know. Yeah, not personally. So it's a, it's a thing to think about, no, isn't it? No one wants to go down that wormhole. Because you never know. <laughs> <laughs> dead heat, literally tied. What was it, half a tenth? Yeah, 0.5 or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Ooh, and the fact, you know, you know what made it even better was that it was just clean, hard racing. You mm. know, at one point there was nearly contact, I think, when Perez tried it around the outside into turn one, but it was just sublime. And actually... Good new good stories to come out for both of them because Alonso it showcased that whatever they've done with that Aston Martin they've managed to get it back up to scratch because Stroll <laughs> was P five, but also do you think this was a a, a a weekend that Perez has secured his future for for next season? Do you think they they wanted to see that? I don't know if you can ever say that your future is secure in a Red Bull seat. Well, no. <laughs> I don't but, but, know, you know would, they, would they have rather... I know he didn't get the podium, but do you think Red Bull would have been quite buoyed by the fact that Perez had such a good fight with, with, with uh, Alonso? Because I remember them saying about Gasly and Albon when they were in the Red Bull that... You know, yeah, okay, they might be struggling for pace compared to Max, but they're just not, you know, we want to see them trying it down the inside of, of Hamilton. Mm. We want to see them fighting for it. And and Perez certainly gave us that. Yeah, he definitely did put on a great show, but there is also an argument to be made that that Red Bull is so far ahead of every other car on that grid that maybe he should be closer. However, like you said, it made for great entertainment and... I don't know. I feel like they're giving him... I feel like Red Bull have learned from their mistakes with just bidding people off way too soon. When, like, when soon. did they learn? <laughs> this happened like eight races ago when well, Nick out of Alpha Tauri. At what point have they learnt the lesson? <laughs> maybe they have. Again, this is all hypothetical. <laughs> maybe they've learned and maybe they're giving him more of a chance and maybe giving him more time in the car to learn it and adapt his driving style to the type of car that Helmut Marco gives him or Adrian Newey has crafted to fit Max's style. Or again, everyone talks about Max's driving style in the Red Bull. It works. 
but maybe he just had more time to adapt to the type of car that is made in the Red Bull factories. But I feel like they will most likely keep him on. Yes, I feel like Brazil might have a massive impact in keeping him on. Like you said, they want to see him going up the inside, at least pushing, at least getting a little bit close to fighting for some significant points and a podium. Oh, wow. Interesting. I definitely disagree. I don't think this has done... I don't think this has miraculously solved all of his issues. And I think a big problem is... Well, we all keep saying it's Daniel Ricciardo that he's fighting for this Red Bull seat. And I, think I do even want Daniel though... again, just, oh, just to highlight oh, that. Oh, I need Maxiel back in my life. That Max- duo was my fave. I love them. They're such a hilarious duo on the grid. I honestly thought Daniel brought out such a hilarious side of Max. Um... And such a chilled side. Sometimes Max can be so serious, and I love seeing the chilled side of him. Um, but in reality, uh, Daniel Ricciardo had a great weekend last weekend in Mexico. He actually had a great weekend this weekend. I just think he was extremely unlucky because it, it was very clear that he had a lot of pace and that he could have had a great result. He even did well in the sprint race. I think he was only a couple of tenths off of the points in the end. Um, so I think the point is, even though he wasn't in the points or didn't, get a result I think you can see that the pace is there obviously so I think it will depend on how the last couple of races go because if Chekhov's a shocker and Daniel can like pull a massive one out of the bag you know what he's going to be like in Vegas he's going to be eating it up I really can you know see that being a good one for him if the AlphaTauri is working around that track I don't know I just don't think I just don't think you can ever say that Chekhov's safe or anyone is safe Alpha Tauri's got some significant straight line speed, and like mm. I said, the last two races have long straights. So we'll I see. am I am anticipating TBD. strong things. Yeah, strong things from Danny Rick. And like I said, I do want to see him back in that Red Bull. Not only do I think he deserves it, but he's got such raw pace and raw talent that would just suit that car as as proven before. Obviously, it's not the exact car before, but the same sort of characteristics Adrian Newey always puts in his car and, and shapes it towards does tend itself to the driving styles of like the Max Verstappens or Danny Rick. So I would like to see him back in there, but it's, it's all up in the air, all to play for at the minute. Mm-hmm. Why is nobody talking about Yuki Tsunoda? Eh. He's just too temperamental. He's got he, pace when he wants it, but he's he, so much younger though. And surely... Give him more time in the to the future. And I just think he's had, yeah, he made a mistake in Mexico, but he, if he hadn't have made that mistake, I'm pretty sure he would have finished ahead of Ricardo and no. caught him and finished in front of him. Personally. He made a mistake in Brazil as well. In the race, he uh, put tires on the grass, almost yeah, went off yeah, and but, almost you know, it. Yeah, well, hang on. Are we all forgetting about Ricardo's abysmal running in a McLaren? Are we all just conveniently forgetting yes. that? No, yes, I'm we are. Right? I'm, I'm, cho- I'm choosing to ignore it. Right, right. Because that's <laughs> no, my look. No, no. I just think that... Yeah. In my opinion, I you know, yeah, Danny Rick is a great guy to have in Formula One. Clearly got great pace, but... In my opinion, he had his time. Let others come through. That's where I stand. Do you know what? I don't even think it's necessarily a battle. I just don't think Yuki's going to get into that Red Bull seat. I think a large portion as as to why he is in the Red Bull family was because of the partnership with Honda. Um, And that's a large reason as as to why he maintained that seat. I think he's got a lot of... He's a great driver, but... What I think is that Red Red Bull don't want somebody who's going to challenge Max. And not that I think Yuki can challenge Max, but I do think that Daniel is almost a safer option. They've had him before. They know what he's like. Um, He's great PR for the team. I know, like, 
that's not a priority or something, but Red Bull have been in quite a lot of conspiracies. Daniel Ricciardo could really do wonders for their PR, you know, bringing all of the positive vibes in. Um, And also, he's got a great relationship with Max, and I think that that is a a big thing. They don't want somebody who's going to challenge Max. And not that I think either of those drivers could. Daniel couldn't, Yuki couldn't. Nobody's coming close to Max in that Red Bull. Um, But I do think Daniel... Nobody in the Red Bull family. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see Alonso in the Red Bull. (laughs) Rumors are coming out of the paddock. Rumors are coming out of the paddock. I was all for it. I know they fervently denied it, but Alonso Verstappen, yes, please. Mm -hmm. I want to see that in in my lifetime. Thank you very much. They would never do that. Not do you a not think, nah. Do you not think Alonso at 42 with nothing, nothing literally to, to prove? I mean, I'll, Alonso I'll, like would I said, be in Formula be... One at the age of 50 if he could. Like, I'm not <laughs> how, surprised. How be long for the do you think Alonso years? will go for? Let's let's predict an age. Let's predict an age. I'm going to go, what is he, 42 now? I reckon he's got... 45. Yeah. Oh, you, mm, all right, I'm going to say... He's got another three or four years in it. I'm going to say four... No, when did Michael Schumacher retire how old was i want to say michael schumacher was 46 or something was he that old oh no maybe he wasn't maybe i'm exaggerating but i i reckon how michael schumacher age in when did he retire 2012 12 yeah 2013 yeah 2012 uh oh he was 43 okay Ah. Mm, 45 sounds realistic now doesn't it I reckon 40, I'm going to go 46. Age 46, Fernando Alonso retires. But Shumi only really retired because he didn't have a car that he thought was actually going to get him in near the front. Oh, if, if only he'd just stuck around. What, a year, <laughs> two years. <laughs> but I mean, it depends on how much drive, ironic pun intended, how much drive Alonso's got. You know, he said he wants to be there for years to come. And if Aston Martin looks like it's going to be continuing on the trajectory that it is, then I can't see why he wouldn't want to stick around for year after year after year. Mm-hmm. Did we get an age from Steph? Did we get a oh, I want to pick one of the same ones. You can't che- You can't steal the two years that I wanted. 45 and 46. <laughs> I'll go 47. I All can right, see okay. this man genuinely in Formula One for, for the next like five years. Can you imagine around the paddock 50 for years. years old finally gets I that, wouldn't be surprised. that third like, world championship? He doesn't look like he's slowing down in the slightest. And this is no. what actually worries because no, it doesn't worry me. It worries her. <laughs> this is what keeps, keeps me up at night. Um, but no, this is what I, I think about Fernando Alonso because I'm he's still got mad pace. He's, he's top three fastest drivers on the grid. And so... He could run circles around half of the dri- drivers. He can. He can stay. You can. You can stay. Yeah. I. I allow it. <laughs> it's allowed by Steph, uh, so it will. It will happen. I actually. I got the pr- the privilege of meeting Alonso this year, and Amazing. honestly, that man, his eyes. You could get lost in them. They Ooh. are. They are. Pier- they pierce <laughs> you. Honestly, that man. Uh, right. Any other business? What else uh, grinded your gears or got you excited in that race, Steph? Oof. Excitement in the race. Oh, do you know what? Do you know who I was really sad for? The Alfa Romeos. Because I thought they had a lot of pace. And unfortunately, we had a double retirement. And it was they were very in very quick succession as well. Which is unfortunate as well. Because I, I thought they were they were running really well. They had a good chance of points. The amount of retirements we had in that race is absolutely possible yeah. that they could have been right up there. Mm. Um so yeah, I just thought that was really unfortunate actually. 
Yeah, I would agree. And actually, it's costly in that battle for seventh in the Constructors, which exactly. is looking really tight now. And Haas are actually uh, contesting the results of Austin. And if if that does get contested, which I think they're looking at Perez particularly uh, for his track limits violations at turn six, which seem to go unnoticed by the FIA, um, that I think if he gets disqualified or whatever, there's a chance of a point for Haas in that one. Um, what about you, Adam? What what, what further back in the field was uh, was keeping your eye I mean what was keeping my eye again I keep bringing it back to it but my fantasy team so I needed <laughs> are you being paid <laughs> no I wish <laughs> I needed Piastri to sort of retire <laughs> and I thought because it was a lap down um, that he might do that get a bit of data go into the pit save all the components for the next races when he's actually going to get some points um, but I tell you what Danny Rick and Piastri at the back of the grid a lap down was was really giving it some good pace um, so it was a bit of a shame that those two couldn't be up more and actually yeah, competing more stupid rule that isn't it I didn't realise it yeah. really was a rule because yeah, the well, thing is, is it- you the, I think everybody works on the car and you can check you can like change the front wing yeah. you can change yeah. your tires so what do you constitute as working on the car essentially because I think that it needs to have a a stronger definition because otherwise you could say that anything you do to change the car is working on the car Wait, hang on. Why would I? I thought they were lapped down because they didn't follow the safety car for one lap. I, yes. What are you, what so are you talking I th- about? I think that's that's. So I think what happened was because I I lost track of this as well. They there was safety car came out immediately, right? Yeah. And at the end of lap one, it mm. went round. Everyone went through the pit lane. Yeah. And that is when I believe Piastri and Ricardo then got wheeled into their garages yeah. to, to retire initially. Then the red flag comes out when they want to cross the checkered flag yeah. line. So it's the start of another lap, which means technically then Ricardo and Piastri are on have been lapped, which is which is ridiculous i think if that makes because it's it's hard to understand yeah. but essentially there's been another lap that's happened but hasn't really happened because then the race has been stopped anyway but those cars are in the garage but the only reason they could rejoin the race in the first place was the fact that it was red flagged and they had gone into the pits so yeah. i think that's essentially what happened and that some weird thing i think daniel ricardo said i hope this highlights what a stupid rule this is i mean do you even remember last year sonoda was a lap down for the race because he mm. found himself the, the, due to a timing or glitch or something like that. And and he had good pace and he was like, yeah, but I could, I was a lap down like his teammate was this time. Yeah. So yeah. it's not the first time you've seen it at Sao Paulo, but I think that was kind of roughly what happened with Ricardo and Piastri, but really red flag, let's keep it simple. Just reset it all, put them in that, stick them at the back or they could have started from the pit lane and just not been a lap down. Yeah, but the FIA don't think about what would be good for the viewers, do they? We've seen that time and time again. Which is they matter times. I mean, well, is it? I feel like, I don't like know. You're right. I don't... they should have started from the pits or something because, yes, it wasn't. Yes, they needed to come in, and yes, the safety car was still going around. But like you said, the red flags neutralizes pretty much everything. Every car can do stuff to every every manufacturer can do stuff to their cars replace the tires drivers can go out have a pee break and then reset their minds but you can't reset the the timing clocks so i don't quite understand why not that's what i was racking my brain throughout the whole thing i was actually looking it up i was googling it going what is going on <laughs> but yeah it, it, it's strange i feel like that should have been the case they should have either started from the pits but at the back not been a lap down and given us a bit more of of a competitive edge to watch mm. 
Mm, I think I think we're all agreed on that one. Okay, uh, it's gotten to the point where we do our WTF one podium. So, Steph and Adam, I need your star performer, your worst performer, and your biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix. Uh, Steph, you can go first. Who was your star oh, you. performer? You're so welcome. Star performer. Um, do you know um. hmm, who is my star performer? I. I can go first if you'd like. I've yeah, got mine go, lined go, up. You, you go first. I was, I was wondering whether to be extra kind to somebody or give it to somebody who did, just expect. Uh, you go. You go. Okay. So obviously, as we know, Piastri had a bit of damage. The McLaren pit crew taking apart that McLaren and even changing components, not just at the back of the at back of the car, but also throughout the underbody. They deserve high praise. They got that turned around very quick because the damage was a lot more substantial than people realised. Um, so they're my star performers. My uh, uh, what was the worst performer? Well, um, hang on, slow, slow down, slow down, <laughs> slow down. One by one. Uh, one I by thought he was going straight into it. One okay, by one. Fine. No, no, no. I'll, time, buy, I'll buy you some more time, Steph. Okay, so you're giving it to the the McLaren Piastri pit crew. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give mine to Fernando Alonso. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Steph. Oh, well, I was going to give it to Fernando Alonso, but I was like, oh, Fernando should be performing at a good level anyway. So, do you know, I'm going to give it to Lance Stroll because I feel like he's had a shocker of mm. a season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he actually just redeemed himself. Like, what was that P3 in qualifying? And then I know he didn't finish ahead of Alonso in the race, but I don't think anybody really expected him to. Um, mm. I think he did a good job to hold his own. So I'm going to give it to Lance. I feel like he needs a bit of love. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I don't think that would make him smile or happy in any kind of way, but yeah. Sorry. Uh, no response. <laughs> um, okay, back to you, Adam, for your worst uh, performer, please. Worst performer would have to be Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, God, that was so tough to watch. That it was really tough. Was. I was. I was wincing watching that. I, I don't know if you've seen the tweets and all that stuff exchanged afterwards, but the story continues. But yeah, Machine Gun Kelly, I don't want to get too much into it, but that was awful. Yeah, it's hard to top that, actually, as worst performer of the uh, of the Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm really being really boring now by going for the actual, the actual teams <laughs> and drivers. Um, but I'm going to go for Mercedes. I'm, being, yeah. I'm copping out big time for this one. So Mercedes, too easy. But that's my answer, Steph. Yeah, my worst performer is... Um... I don't know if you guys have seen. There's a picture of a camera op who, at the at the line, oh. is is his camera is pointed towards the crowd, and Checo and Alonso yeah. are crossing the line right behind him. Oh, worst performance! I felt so bad for him. I'm like, imagine missing that shot. Was there not a camera from the other side looking at the line? I a bit further back. I think it was the um the. What do you call it? The uh, camera on a, on a wire. Yeah, that one that goes yeah. over the pit lane. I think that's mm. where we got the angle from. Gotcha. Mm, mm. But yeah, no, I saw that picture. It's just devastating. I could have made this career. <laughs> he probably hates Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> Bold. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix. Let's go back the other way, Steph. Oh well, you could have Lance Stroll. Um, You've used him up now, I'm afraid. I have used him up. Um, surprise, surprise, surprise. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to go. Okay. Um, I'm going to say the sprint, because actually it was more entertaining than the Grand Prix, in my opinion, overall. Yeah, I'll have to agree on that. 
I wouldn't say necessarily a surprise, though. I do quite like some of these sprint races. Some of them are okay. Some we've had them. some good races, but we've mm. also had some shockers. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting mm. debate. Which we don't have time for. Who's going next? Adam? Okay. I mean, a uh, surprise performer would be the sheer, sheer speed of which that Brazilian weather changed from being clear to absolutely pissing it nice, down. Nice, 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 nice. I like that. I like that. Steph? Um, I'll go with, okay, Checo actually pulling out a, a, a decent performance this week. Bravo, Checo, considering you were slagging him off earlier. Oh, I don't, mean, a... I don't mean to. Lucky's a great driver. <sighs> That's it. <laughs> no, that's it. There's nothing um, else. No rule of three for Steph. Um, all right, then. We're out of time. Thank you so much, uh, Adam yeah, Sanderson, Steph Wentworth. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, digest some of the Sao Paulo action with you. Um, you can make sure you're following and subscribe to all the WTF1 socials and the YouTube channel. Um, but that's it, yeah. Me and Callan will hopefully be back next week if Callan will spare his crucial, crucial time. Uh, but again, thank you to Adam and Steph. I've been Harry, and we'll see you next time. Bye.